Welcome to this podcast of hope and inspiration from Sequoia Community Church in Oakland, California. Sequoia represents a multicultural, multi-generational community who seeks God's presence. We thrive on discipleship and outreach, loving God and loving people. Email, contact, and website information will be provided at the end of this podcast or by going to myscc.co. Right? Pretty obvious. And, I, and I, I really love the, the Christian Christmas songs as well. I love O Holy Night. Fall on your knees. You know, those kind of lines. I love Mary, did you know that you're baby boy? You know, those songs touch all of our hearts. There's the fun ones, there's the family ones, there's the crazy ones, and then there are the ones that bring glory and honor to the very reason that we're gathered here today, and that is to honor the Son, Jesus. Would you turn to your Bible and uh, on your phone or uh, if you brought your Bible with you and just turn to Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. And as you get there, I just want you to save that spot for a minute, and I'd I just I feel like we should stand one more time. Put your Bible on your chair or your phone on your chair. And I just want you to pray to receive something from today's message. Would you do that? Just begin to maybe close your eyes and lift up your hands to God and just say, God, I am ready to receive something today. I am ready to hear from your Holy Spirit. I'm ready that you would move into our life and in our church and the person next to me in my own heart. God, I'm ready for you to do something great right now. Change me. Know me. Notice me, God, because I'm here waiting for you. God, my hands are lifted up. I'm in a position to receive. And would you just do it in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Matthew 1, 23 says, Look, notice this. The virgin will conceive a child, and she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. Everyone say Emmanuel. Emmanuel, Emmanuel which means God is with us. God is with us. You know, for Christians, it's really easy to believe that God is with us, um, that he's with us on the mountaintops, that he's with us no matter what we go through. Um, when he's on the, you know, he's, we, it's easy for us to just acknowledge on the mountaintops because, you know, it's kind of like, okay, I got a raise at work. God is with me. I'm on the mountaintop. God is with me, you know, when my, maybe when my sports team wins or maybe when a kid finally sleeps all the way through the night. God is with me, you know, that kind of thing. Or, you know, you score that holiday parking spot. You know, isn't that the greatest thing? When all of a sudden that person moves out, you don't have to take the handicapped place and cheat. You actually can take a better place right next to the handicapped place, which is all legal, but you scored it. Easy to believe that God is with you on the mountaintop, right? Life itself has all of these mountaintops, and it has valleys, uh, it has very difficult times, in fact. In fact, if you're on the mountain right now, unfortunately, there's likely a valley coming. And if you're in the valley right now, 
I can't promise you a mountain, but what I can say this is this, God is with us. In the valley, God is with us. and the mountain, God is with us. For you, if you're in the valley right now, you know, it, it could be something like, you know, my marriage is great, but I'm struggling with the decisions my kids are making. Or it could be something like, your kids are doing great, you're so proud of them, but you can't stand to be in the same room with your spouse. You may be going through a difficult valley in your marriage right now. Or you may, may, may feel so close to God and sense His presence, but you are afraid that when you go into work this week, you might get the notice that something bad is going to happen to your job. Or you're excited celebrating Christmas, the mountaintop, and yet maybe you get horrible medical news about you or someone else in your life. So there, there are so many, so many good things, and yet there may be one or two things that just take you down into the valley, right? So today I want to talk about where is God in those valleys? Where is he in those valleys? Valleys are things like uh, kind of places, like, like um, where the battle took place. You would see a lot of references to valleys in the Bible, and it refers to things like seasons of loneliness, seasons of desperation, seasons of fear or anxiety. Uh, a valley could be a place of, of betrayal or being bullied or maybe you've been abused in some way. That could be the valley part of your life. And mountaintops are things like God is blessing you. You have spiritual growth and it's noticeable and your faith is building. All of these things are happening. We all experience God in different ways. Pockets of valleys, pockets of mountaintops, right? When there's a mountain, it's amazing. But even one, let alone multiple valleys, even when you're on the mountaintop, the valleys can really drag you down. It can, it, can, it can pursue all of your energy. It can pursue all of your emotion. You could just become exhausted because there's a valley in your life in some way. And this is exactly what happened to my wife and I this week. Uh, we, if you know us, uh, we always talk about our dog, Mojo, right? Uh, I mean, we even, we have a a video production company, and we even named it Mojo Video Solutions. So we named our company after Mojo. Over the past couple of weeks, we noticed that Mojo was like having these respiratory kind of breathing things. You know, was, first it was cute because you could pet him and he'd make, make that noise like, <laughs> like, it's, oh, he loves that, you know? And then as the couple of weeks have been going on, we noticed under his jaw right here is just getting bigger and bigger. And so we called the doctor last Monday, the vet, and the vet said, you need to bring him in right now. And so we brought him in, and they took some samples, looked at it under the microscope, and we found out that our little dog, Mojo, has lymphoma. And the doctor said it looks like it's the fast kind. He probably only has months to live. And so that's, we're going through, the, right now, we're going through that valley. Um, they gave him, the good news is they did give him some steroids and some antibiotics and he, he made a quick turnaround, but she said, don't get your hopes up too much because what will happen now is it will slowly come back and, you know, that will probably be the end of Mojo. But he's only seven years old, so it's like young for a dog, but we're going through this valley. And if you know, if you know Ginger, my wife, uh, we have a son that's 33 years old. And once we got Mojo, I mean, right there, right there. And a lot of days, Mojo wins, believe me. And I don't even know where I am at that on those scales or whatever. 
But we were devastated. And in a sense, we see a valley coming right now. Have you ever just driven down the road or hiked or something, and you see that you're going to have to go down through the valley before you climb up to the mountain once more? Um, listen, this may, this may be the very thing you need to hear today, right now. Some of you are facing a valley situation in your life right now. And I want to say this statement, and I want you to listen very closely. We may enjoy God on the mountaintops, but we get to know Him intimately in the valleys. We may enjoy God on the mountaintops, but where we really get to know God, that's in the valleys. That's when we get to know Him. We get to know Him intimately right there. Psalm 84, let's go back to that scripture. Psalm 84, 5 through 7 says this. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools, and they go from strength to strength till each appears before the God in Zion. I'm going to unwrap that scripture a little bit. What is the valley of Baca? The Valley of Baca is a desert country, and it has a lot of things going on in the Valley of Baca. It has thorns, it has wild animals, it has vipers. It's very dangerous. In fact, it's nearly impossible to travel through the Valley of Baca without facing trouble or hardship. And the Valley of Baca, it's, it's most likely was related um, to a tree. It, it, it has very similar spelling in, in that language that uh, it, it basically was related to a tree. And this tree would ooze out sap. And if you walk by this tree, a baca tree, uh, is, people said that the trees were called a weeper. That's a weeper. They would look at it. And it looked like the tree was actually crying because of the sap that was coming out of the tree. And that's why it was called the Valley of Baca, and it's translated different ways in Scripture. In fact, you'll see it sometimes translated as the Valley of Tears, or the Valley of Weeping, or the Valley of Loss. And anytime you see a valley in the Bible, you would see a place that was very dangerous, a place that, you know, you just knew something was wrong there. You know, the thorns, the wild animals, that there were people waiting to jump you or rob you. In fact, it was, it was very difficult to get through the valley without something happening. It was just kind of like, don't go through there. It's kind of like we have places in our city that feel more dangerous than others. So at night in uh, Oakland or San Francisco, there are some alleys or streets that you just totally avoid because it would be like the valley kind of thing that we're talking about. It just didn't feel like it would be safe there. And it was very difficult to get through the valley. And that's why the psalmist said in Psalm 84, 5, blessed are those whose strength is in you. You'll be able to go through the valley. So there may be people here that you're not a fully devoted follower of Christ. And let me just tell you something here real quick. If you're not a follower of Christ this morning, first of all, we're, we're really glad that you're here. We welcome everybody to come into this place. And when we preach the Word of God, we hope that you hear about its hope and its promises and how much Jesus loved you and gave his life so that you could have hope in your life and that you could serve him. 
And if you're not a believer, though, here's the thing. Maybe God seems far away. Maybe you're exhausted and you feel like you can't take it anymore or you don't think you can make it. The problem is without Christ, what you have is what you have. I mean, you can read Oprah all day long. You can read books that are positive thinking. You can get into meditation. You can look at the Golden Gate Bridge in the fog. It doesn't matter because that is not the answer for your soul. The answer for your soul is that Jesus Christ loved you so much that he gave, that God loved you so much that he gave Jesus Christ, his only son, to die for you. Emmanuel, God with us. For those of you that are Christ followers, we believe that we have a strength that goes beyond just what we see naturally. And we have that access to heavenly strength. And that's why this psalm has said, blessed are those whose strength is found in you. We believe that when we get to the end of our strength, that is the heavenly strength. It's the divine strength. There is strength from our God that is available to those that know Him, that the strength comes from God. Amen? It doesn't say blessed are those who make it on their own, that are independent. You are created to depend on God. It's a big deal. When you are weak, that's when His strength is made perfect. It's when you're weak. Verse 5 again, what joy for those whose strength who comes from the uh, strength comes from the Lord, who have their minds set on the pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Uh, here's yet another way to say it. Blessed are those who have their minds set toward God. Set your mind on things above, not below. Colossians, it says, whatever is pure or lovely or excellent or praiseworthy. Think, think about all of those things. Have your mind fixed on God. You know, I have good news for you that are in the valley right now. I really do. It is our God that is there when you hit the end of your strength. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. There is a God in you, Emmanuel. He's God with us. Blessed are those whose strength is in the Lord. Uh, several, several years ago, Ginger and I went on a cruise to Alaska. And one of the stops at port there, we were able to um, go to this place called the Klondike Trail, the Klondike Railroad which went to the gold country into Canada. And uh, we were able to experience this narrow gauge railroad. It was built in the late 1800s, and it was called the Klondike Railway. Um, History Channel, I, I got some information from this because when we were on that railroad, they said something about that way to go that I'm going to talk about in just a second. So it says, getting to the Yukon Territory was no easy task, especially when hauling a literal ton of supplies. For the first leg of the journey, well-stocked stampeders traveled to port cities in the Pacific Northwest and boarded boats headed north to the Alaskan town of Skagway, which took them to the White Pass Trail. Conditions in the Yukon were harsh and made communication with the outside world difficult at best. As a result, word didn't get out about the Klondike gold discovery until 1897. But once it did, however... Droves of people known as Stampeders headed north, searching for Yukon gold and a wealthier fate. Most had no idea where they were going or what they would face along the way. 
The trail was extremely difficult, and the Canadian winters were deadly. In fact, so many people were dying that Canadian authorities required every stampeder to have a year's worth of gold mining equipment and supplies before crossing the Canadian border. They had to have warm clothes and outerwear, moccasins and boots, blankets and towels, mosquito netting, personal care items, medicine, first aid items, candles and matches, soap, approximately 1,000 pounds of food, tools, and mining equipment and camping equipment. They had to take that or Canada wouldn't let them go up that trail. The next leg was the most difficult no matter which trail a stampeder, uh, the next leg of the trip, no matter which leg of the trail the stampeder chose. The White Pass was not as steep or rugged as Chilkoot, but it was new, narrow, and clogged and slippery with mud. Many animals became stuck and died earning the trail the nickname, the Dead Horse Trail. It's estimated that nearly 3,000 horses died on White Pass. The Chilkut Trail was steep, icy, and snowy. Although pack animals were used to haul supplies for much of the Stampeders' journey, once they reached the Chilkut Trail, they had to abandon their animals and carry the supplies the rest of the way. And this was usually required to make several trips up and down a frozen slope that usually included 1,500 steps carved in the snow and ice known as the Golden Staircase. Daunted, many prospectors gave up at this point and headed home. One eyewitness reported, it's impossible to give anyone an idea of the, slow, of the slowness with which things were moving. It takes a day to go four or five miles and back. The final leg of the journey was also treacherous and slow going. After crossing the Chilkoot and, or White Pass, prospectors had to build or rent boats, brave hundreds of miles of winding Yukon River rapids to reach Dawson City in the Yukon Territory, Canada, where they hoped to set up camp and stake their claims. Many people died even during that river trip. So what struck me, and I put this in a note, and I said, one day, I'm going to use this in a sermon. Because what they told us when we were going on that railroad is they said, you know what they called this trail? What the nickname of this pathway? They called it Desperation Pass. Where it would take everything within them to try to meet, meet their goal. It would take everything within them to try to go forward in their life, to try to make something out of what their future would become. Almost all the people came back without gold, by the way. Isn't that interesting? Many times in this life, we pursue and get our attention on things that actually make us weaker. Many times, we run a race that's the wrong kind of race. But I say to you, Run a different kind of race, a race for a different kind of a prize. When you are weak, Emmanuel is with you. And when you are at desperation's end, Emmanuel is with you. One form of desperation pass is to focus on your valley, right? And define it as impossible. You can look at your valley and say, that is an impossible thing to cross, there's no way I'll ever cross that valley and you're in desperation past and you're just stuck and frozen there and thinking that way can paralyze you. 
What you think about matters, by the way. That's scripture again. What joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord, who have set their minds on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. My current circumstance might be in the valley, but my mind is fixed on God. My heart might be anxious, but my mind is fixed. My soul may be aching, but my mind is fixed. My emotions, they might be racing, but my mind is fixed. I'm telling you, too much of us just get focused on all the bad stuff. My marriage is bad, my marriage is bad, my marriage is bad. My car's broke down, my job is terrible. My kids are this and my life is this. I'm telling you, you have to pick your mind up. You have to allow that your mind should be fixed on Him. Now check this out. Verse 6. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rain also covers it with pools. We may be in the valley but that's not our destination. We're just passing through. Psalm 23, even though I, pat, I, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Many times we just, want, we just want out of the valley. But the way is not out. The way is through. You can't... There's no drone or helicopter that's going to rescue you from your valley. You've got to go through that valley. You've got to begin to have hope in the Lord. Put your mind on Him. End up at, the, at Jerusalem or Zion, the house of God, the city of refuge, the place of peace. You've got to get to that city of refuge. You have to travel through the valley of tears. For many, the valley is the pathway to peace. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make their place in the springs. Autumn rains also cover it with pools. And then I, I want to skip to that last verse there. Uh, just put the whole verse up there, 84, 5 through 7 for me, Michael. Blessed are those that strength is in you. They make it a place of springs, the NIV says. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Just leave that verse up there for a moment. In the King James, the place where it says, make it a place of springs, I like the King James Version because it says, they make it a well. They make it a well. When you're in a dry place, dig a well. Dig a small hole. Now, there's a couple of kinds of wells you can do, dig. You can just dig down and down and down until you strike water. Or you can dig out a hole and wait for the provision. The little hole actually becomes a container to capture the provision that God is going to send. It, it's dry right now. I mean, you dig that hole, you begin to look at it, and you step back, and when you are dry, you're in the valley. But you make room for the presence of God. You make room for the provision that will be coming. 
You make room for the provision of God. You make a well, but it hasn't rained yet. But I know that God will provide what I need. So I make a container. Preparing for the, pres for the presence and the provision of God. It's almost as if God would say something like this. Show me your faith and I will show you my faithfulness. If you dig it, I will fill it. If you prepare for me, I'm going to show up. You show me your faith, and I'll show you my faithfulness. Jesus apparently had the same kind of philosophy. In the New Testament, there's a guy with a withered up hand, and instead of just saying, I'm going to heal you, he said, no, stretch out your hand, and I will heal you. You show me that you believe, I can do it, and I will do it. A man, he couldn't walk for 38 years. Jesus didn't say, Jesus power, you're healed. Instead, he said, take up your mat. You get up, you stand up, and you show me your faith. You show me that I, you believe that I can make you walk. If you show me your faith, I'll show you my faithfulness. I don't know who this will speak to, um, but you need to hear it. If you dig it, he's going to fill it. If you plant it, he will grow it. You have to plant your seed before you see, har before you see the harvest. If you pray it, God hears your prayers, and he will, if you show me your faith, I'll show you my faithfulness. Think about this. Some of you here in this place right now, you really need an encounter with God. Um, I've been in church ministry now since 1980. Do the math. A long time. I've seen so many dynamics of people in my ministry. I've seen older people that say, let the younger kids do it. I did that for 40 years. I've seen young people said, say, I'm not ready. I've seen people in the middle say, I'm too tired. I've seen people just get skeptical. You know, it's too loud. It's too quiet. I don't like that music. I, you know, all the kind of clothesline preaching that we could have. But I'm telling you, if you really, really need your well filled, some of you really, really need an encounter with God. Those words kind of hurt. But I think for the people that the Holy Spirit is dealing with right now, you know it's true. You know you're that person that keeps pushing away. You're stuck in the valley. You're paralyzed. You're not ready to go through the valley because it's too hard. But you'll never, ever get through the valley unless you begin to get an encounter with God and begin to lift up your hands and say, God, fill me with your spirit so that I can have the power over the enemy that is taking my life away. God rarely reveals himself, by the way, to people who are rushed. And this should sink into somebody. He rarely reveals himself. You can imagine, you know, Moses flying along at 75 miles an hour down the freeway, and there's a burning... Let's put Moses in modern day, by the way, because they didn't have cars. But what could Moses do with a Ferrari? Man, that'd be... Wow. We'd probably have a whole new Bible. Um, anyhow, 
Moses, flying along, 75 miles an hour, looks over and sees a burning bush. Now, for most of us here, that is an Instagram story moment, right? An Instagram story. So it's like, oh, there it is. You know, take the picture and then go on your way. But God said, why don't you stay a while? Why don't you take off your sandals because where you're standing is a holy place? Why don't you for a moment be still? Be still and know that I am God. Why don't you make a well and then allow me to fill it? Because if you dig it, I will fill it. If you seek me, you will find me. If you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. Be still and know that I am God. Man, some of you, some of us, it's just time to prepare. That's it. And say, I want to meet with you, God, and I'm going to wait for you, and I'm going to believe that you're going to reveal yourself right now. I'm going to prepare. I'm going to dig it. God, you bring your presence and you fill it. Prepare for the presence of God. (coughs) (coughs) Sorry, I should mute that mic. Excuse me. God never says that you won't go through the valleys. One thing I like about this, though, somehow God figures everything out, right? When you go through the valley, you don't have to go through it alone. Of course the answer is God goes through the valley with you, right? But you know who else goes through the valley with you? Look to your left and to the right. That's why you should always gather with believers because as iron sharpens iron, one person sharpens another. You need them and they need you. The Sunday that you stay home just because of whatever, of no reason, you should be here. And I know I'm talking to people that are here, but next week you might not have been. (laughs) Know what I'm saying? I know how that happens. I'm not just trying to bolster our average monthly attendance. I'm here to say that you, you don't need to do the valley alone. God never says to go through the valley alone. So in your life, it's dark. Maybe there's a storm. Maybe there's trouble. You say you're weak. But he's your light in the darkness. He is your peace in the storm. He is your joy in trouble. And he's your strength when you are weak. Enjoy him on the mountain. Get to know him in the valley. How many of you are ready to get to know him for a minute? I want you to stand right now where you are. There may be someone that you know is going through the valley, and I want you to just trust her to God or trust him to God and begin to pray for them. Maybe you're going through your own valley right now. Maybe you're going through a struggle in your life where you need to fix your mind upon Him, where you need to dig that well, that holding place in preparedness for God. Psalm 139 says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're right there. 
If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. We have a tradition in many churches, and at this one as well, that if you want or need prayer, that you're just come down here to the front. I think there's something good about moving from your place and saying, I'm not going to stick here right now. I just need to step out in faith. And if you're in a valley right now, why don't you just start coming and flooding the altar? We don't have to have, today, we don't have to have the hands lifted and the eyes closed. If you're in a valley right now, would you just flood the altars right now? Maybe you're going through something. Just come out right now. Just tap someone and just say, would you let me by and come on up here and, and begin to come to the altar? You know you need it. Don't avoid it. Don't avoid the valley. The mountaintop will be there later. But right now, you need to push through the valley. I know there's a lot more of you today. Don't avoid it for one more Sunday. Don't avoid it for one more week. We pray that you have found some practical hope for your life and future in this message today. And we thank you for listening and sharing this podcast with others. You can find information or contact Sequoia Community Church in Oakland, California online at myscc.co. On Instagram, you can find us at SCC Oakland or search for us on Facebook.